You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Justice is Served here on Black Hollywood Live. I am joined by the beautiful Portia Daniels, who is our new permanent guest host, uh, along with BJ Abron. And uh, I look forward to getting your perspective on today's stories, which include uh, some changes uh, in the police departments following all the excessive force uh, cases that we've seen. We're all going to be talking about the responsibility, if any, of the parents of mass shooters. We'll also talk about Paul Walker's daughter suing Porsche for her father's death. And if you have a outstanding traffic ticket in California, the state state might be cutting you a break. And also now in California, we can uh, choose to die with dignity. We'll talk about what that means uh, for you today. All right, shall we get started here? On an, another week, another mass shooting, and uh, rather than just talk about what are we going to do about the guns, because we've talked about that many times already, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the responsibility, if any, of the parents in these mass shootings. So in last week's case, was it last week already, or was it earlier this week? I cannot even keep the day straight anymore. But our most recent uh, headline-making mass shooting was in Oregon. A young man uh, killed nine people at a community college. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're now learning that he lived with his mother, who was an advocate for guns, who thought uh, gun control laws or states that had them were lame. She um, said that both she and uh, her son, I think, you know, enjoyed having them, needed them. She talked on online ch- chat forums about uh, how she had them and how she had them loaded. Uh, but as far as I could see, she's not facing any, uh, she's a part of the investigation, but she herself is not likely to face any charges. Or, Portia, have you heard anything different than no, that? No, I haven't heard anything different. So, uh, to my understanding, she has not done anything illegal in the way that she obtained the guns, there were many guns. I mean, she stockpiled them. She she was afraid that the government was going to take them away. And so she, like, collected them, all different kinds. And uh, But she did not do anything illegal in obtaining them or in keeping them the way that she did, as far as I've been able to tell. So in one case, doesn't look like there's going to be any parent responsibility. However, just this week, uh, a federal uh, jury found a man, a father, guilty in relation to his son's mass shooting at his high school. So Raymond Freiberg's son took a gun and killed four classmates at his high school. And the father was tried not directly in connection with the shooting, but because he did not... uh, 
he was not allowed to have a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he, there was a, uh, a 2002 domestic violence protection order that prohibited him from having a gun, but he had one anyway, and that is the gun that his son used to kill these classmates. So he uh, tried to defend himself by saying, I didn't even know there was this protective order that was out there, and therefore I didn't know that I wasn't allowed to have a gun. Uh, his attorney said that he had passed several background checks, and so he he had gotten them. He, he didn't know that he wasn't supposed to have them. But the jury didn't buy it, and he is convicted. So in that sense, oh, and this jury did not hear about the mass shooting because this case was only about the father having the gun. So up to this point, it looks like parents have no responsibility about what children do with those guns as long as they were legally acquired. Is that your understanding of of what is out there so far? Yeah, so far that seems to be the case. It's kind of... I think to some degree we have to start looking into some type of safeguards that parents should put in place with these guns because this is becoming all too frequent. I remember President Obama saying that in his speech, this is becoming routine. Yeah. And that's so sad. People are going to bed every night with missing children because of things that essentially these parents could have put certain safeguards in place and maybe they could have prevented things like this from happening. There's so many things about this that I I, I don't understand. We have, you know, the Second Amendment, we have a right to bear arms, well-regulated. It's what it says in the Constitution itself uh, or in uh, in the amendments. But no right that we have is just absolute. Like, I have a free speech right, but I cannot tell you that I'm about to kill you and have you actually be in fear for your life because I am making uh, it it clear that I might actually be interested and able to do that and get away with it. Exactly. You cannot incite riots. You cannot... There's There are limitations on free speech. Every right, there's a limit on. Yeah. Uh, We have, you know, Fourth Amendment somewhat privacy uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't be stopped by the police exactly so um, to say that it's an absolute right is just wrong I mean I hate I I don't want to be the one saying people are right or wrong but in this if that's your argument that is just false Uh, I I think that guns should have insurance policies taken out on them the way Mm -hmm. that cars do. I think that would make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Sure, if we want to point at mental health problems, let's see it. Let's see this proposed legislation about mental health that's going to address this problem. But I hear people saying, well, it's a mental health issue. Okay, great. Then let's address that. But I I see it sort of as an excuse because I hear it's mental health and then nothing gets done Mm -hmm. about it. Um, And Chelsea, what about people with um, kids in the home? Do you think with minors in the home or with mental ill children or uh, mental ill adults, do you think they should be required by law if they do even obtain the guns legally to have those guns in a safe with a lock that only they know the key to or certain take certain some type of precautions to try and at least prevent some of this stuff from happening. Definitely when think? somebody under the age of 18 is in the home or somebody who might be mentally unstable exactly. is in the home, there should be safeguards. And I understand the argument that some people don't want their guns locked away because if somebody breaks in in the middle of the night and they have yeah. to get to their gun quickly. But there, there has to be some solution because 
you to have a gun and then a kid just grabs it, kills people, and then himself, and then nothing happens to anybody is just crazy yeah. insane. Um, so I, I hate that we keep having to talk about this issue, but I, I feel like it's going to come again. I mean, I saw a calendar that showed that virtually every week in I don't know how many years it goes yeah. back. We have had a mass shooting. And just because we don't hear about them all the time doesn't mean they're not happening exactly. where somebody kills four or more people, which is how the FBI defines a mass shooting. So uh, I really, really do want to hear uh, from you about this. So please tweet me at Chelsea Galicia. Uh, and Portia promises to set up uh, her Twitter any second now. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to go out on the limb and say it's going to be at Portia Daniels. Yeah. P-O-R-C-S-H-A-D-A-N-I-E-L-S. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay, is. great. Um, because I do want to hear, we need to talk about what we're going to do about this. And the politicians aren't that great about talking, uh, about getting anybody to go along enough with their ideas. Um, I just can't believe it. I should have known that nothing was going to happen once a member of Congress was shot. Kathy? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's so and, sad. Um, Oh my gosh, her name is escaping me right now. But um, I'm gonna remember, and it's gonna it be over. It was in Texas, right? Uh, I believe it was. It was in Arizona, and so Arizona. she was shot. Member of Congress speaking to you know her constituents and shot, and nothing happened. So if members of Congress are so afraid to act to protect their own lives, there there must be something at play here, serious play. I th- think it's probably the NRA. I'm not sure who else. Yeah, and but the thing is, most states right now have been loosening up on their gun laws, so I'm kind of confused by that because I know at least in Georgia and a couple of other states, they're having these open carry laws now, so you can walk around maybe even in Walmart and you see people with their guns on their hip now, I, whereas before they weren't doing that. So it seems like there it should be, with all the stuff going on, they should be getting stricter, but it's like they're getting more lenient because people are feeling like they need the guns for protection, and that's the argument I don't really get as far as because a lot of times people are like, oh, well, the teachers should have the guns at school and that'll help the problem. I don't really think I would want my kids one day to go to school and all their teachers have to have guns on their desk. You, like, you, what about I mean, you? that was, that was <laughs> so, um, um, Gabrielle Giffords. There, Gabrielle Giffords. That's who yeah. it was. Um, who, the, the congresswoman who, who was shot. Uh, thank you, Marissa, for that. Um, I, 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 I've also, um, I, I just want to hear from people about this yes. because we haven't, there's, there's not been an idea that enough people are getting behind. And this is something that's going to have to come from the people mm-hmm. because Congress is, is totally stuck about it. Once a member of Congress is stuck and nothing happens or 20 some preschool students get killed mm-hmm. and nothing happens, um, Congress is stuck. This is really going to have to be about us. Uh, as as people coming up with an idea or several ideas that we can all get behind and demand because this isn't going to come from the top down at all. So we're really interested to hear what ideas uh, you have that you think we can get enough people around um, to to make a, a difference. And I, you know, is that that we're going to have teachers carrying guns? I, I mean, not. I just don't, I just I don't not. see it. I just don't see that we want to be a society of people that are care that everyone is carrying, um, 
guns around. And and one of the interesting um, things that I heard that came out of the Oregon shooting is that there were people there that were carrying guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one guy said that he didn't do anything because staff members stopped him. Uh, I would like to hear from those staff members. Why did, why did they stop him? One reason I imagine that a staff member might stop somebody is because if you have a gun and then you run out with the gun in search of the gunman and the SWAT team, yeah. law enforcement approaches, how do they know the difference between you, the you, good guy exactly. and the, the, the shooter? So it will cause a lot of confusion if we have a bunch of people with guns all shooting at each other, I think there will be innocent bystanders that are mm-hmm. killed accidentally. Oh my gosh, can you imagine a teacher who spent her life getting her credentials and wanting to teach children accidentally, you know, shoots one while trying to fend off, you know, somebody who comes right. into the... So I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like that's the direction that we want to go in but maybe I'm wrong maybe Portia and I are in the minority here and we'd like to hear from you which direction should we go with this all right so now uh let's move on to what's happening in police departments in New York and California following the excessive force cases that we have talked about again and again and again I guess this is another theme on this show um so let's start with New York so New York now, uh, NYPD uh, must document all uses of force. And I say all, but there's a couple of exceptions um, because there are no uh, statistics. There's no data yeah. on this. And so now when an officer uses a baton or there's a physical altercation or sprays somebody with mace or allows a police dog to bite somebody, all of that has to be documented. Um, before we were just running around and uh, we, we had statistics from New York on guns and shooting, mm-hmm. but nothing on excessive force. Yeah. Right. And so there was this gray area of what Chief Breton called, uh, awful but lawful, uh, conduct by police, um, that needs to be studied. I think. Yeah. What do you think? Is this a good idea? I do think it's a good idea. I think it's a step in the right direction. But at the same time, putting the onus on the police officers to to report this, I think I would just want to know how are they going to ensure that these officers actually are reporting all all of the times that they're actually doing this. Right. So that would be my question to them. And then like... Um, I know we're going to talk about the California law a little later, but I would also want them to add in, like with the California law, what race are these people that they are using this excessive force on? Because I think the data from that altogether would be a better indication of the issues that we're facing right now. And it'd be Yeah, absolutely. I, that's a good point because I didn't see that in the New York um, law that there was data about race being collected. Um, but that is a good point. Um, I, I think, um, I think actually, no, I, I'm saying in my no- notes now that one of the requirements of this new form that officers will have to fill out, it's called a force incident report, will track the race of the people involved. So I think that'll be the race of not only the civilian, but also the officers involved. Um, this new law, uh, makes an officer who witnesses another officer exhibiting uh, excessive force who does nothing uh, face some sort of penalty um, 
for not doing anything, for mm-hmm. not stopping that officer or for not providing medical assistance when somebody asks for it. Uh, because failing to intervene is, is a big problem because we see in a lot of these cases, it's one or two officers that get kind of aggressive and the other ones sort of freeze up and they don't know what to do, exactly. but now they're going to face discipline if they don't do anything. Uh, I, I think that's a, a step in the right direction. And also this, this new law gives 900 new tasers to officers where before only some supervising uh, officers and uh, emergency service uh, unit officers had them. So this is what I've wondered before. When we need to take somebody down, if they think it's so important, why can't we use non-lethal force? Exactly. I guess 900 sounds like a lot, but there are like, I think... 35,000 officers uh, in uh, as part of the NYPD. So I think they're going to need a few more tasers than that. I don't think 900 will quite do it, but um, I I think that's also uh, a step in the right direction. Now, the people who do not like this are uh, the police unions who are like, this is unnecessary. Um, I, I, I can't I can't make sense of how anybody would call it um, unnecessary. Does it make any sense to you? No, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I think it's clearly something is necessary, and I think this is their approach of trying to go about it in the best way that they see fit. So I really hope it helps in some type of way there because it's just kind of like trying to figure out the best solution to this problem. It's yeah. kind of becoming all too routine too when you're hearing about police doing this and doing that and it's kind of like you just want to restore the police that dignity like the their reputations back because right now it's kind of being dragged through the mud and probably just from these few bad officers but their reflection of the whole entire yeah. poli- which is sad because essentially I'm sure there are lots of great police officers doing great things in the community absolutely and I, I don't think that this makes police officers look bad or that this is no. blaming the police officers I think uh, in the end this will help enhance yes. the reputation of the police department which is something that uh, Chief Bratton wanted he wanted um, data that would rec- that would allow for transparency and increase public trust and public exactly. support. And yeah. so I, I do think it's it's good for that. And I can somewhat understand the opponents on the other side who are like, really, this is all you're going to yeah. do? Yeah. Officers have killed people that didn't deserve to die. And all you're going to have them yeah. do is make more reports. Like, what is that actually doing to fix the problem? Do you understand that? Yeah, I definitely complaint? understand that as well because it's kind of like, and then it's so much money going into these different programs that these states are trying to create now. And just kind of like, even with the body cam situation, like, then all of a sudden when some shootings happen, they're like, they didn't have their body cam on or it went off. You know, it's kind of like, how are they going to actually enforce these things and make sure, like, when they do stop someone, oh, I forgot to write that one down. You know, yeah. like, how do, how is it really going to. It won't be perfect, but I think it'll be a step in the right direction. And I think, um, the point that you bring up about how are we going to keep the officers honest. Yeah. One way is to continue to use our phones or whatever to record these incidents that are going on because that provides some objective uh, witnessing of what happened and it can either back up what officers say or it can uh, say it can prove that the officers were were making something up so I think that we as citizens should remain vigilant and involved Um, but I think like any problem that you're you're facing 
the first thing you always do is you get a measurement of where you are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you take it to something really simple like weight loss. Like the first thing, we weight loss and you get healthy, you take a look at your numbers. You look at your weight, you look at your blood pressure, and even looking at those numbers isn't changing anything, but it gives you a place to start to look, to start looking at the numbers, and then, and then you look at numbers, and those numbers will help make it very obvious where intervention is needed. Yeah. And I think the thing is, like, these police forces are going to start having to come hard, come down hard on these officers because nothing is being done right now. And I think that's the issue because even like you're saying with the cameras and people recording, all of these things have been on video, like with the Eric Garner thing, whole thing on video. Right. He said how many times that he couldn't breathe, but nothing couldn't even get like it's it's kind of crazy so it's kind of like it leaves the people frustrated and with these different things coming in place people are kind of like so how is this going to work or how is that going to work so I think it's really the onus is going to be on the police forces to make sure that when they do find officers violating these um, standards that they are putting in place they have to come down hard on them that's the only way it's ever going to work I think you're totally right about that and I I think that police officers the good police officers should want this and should support it even though like um, a lot of the police unions do not agree with this such is the case in California. The, the, many of the police unions in California or law enforcement leaders in California mm-hmm. are really up in arms about this new law that seeks to clarify and expand the definition of racial profiling to include identity profiling based on gender, national origin, or other characteristics protected against discrimination. So again, this is just another, um, Implementation of getting better numbers, reporting, statistics, exactly. and data. Uh, the president of one police union called it a joke. So insulting. Uh, saying that money is going to be wasted and it's not going to prove anything. And I think that comment about it's not going to prove anything just shows that this guy has no idea exactly. that where you start in solving a problem is not by trying to prove something. It's just by noticing, looking, seeing what the problem is. You can't fix something that you can't first measure, see, know is going on. Chelsea, I think the problem is they don't think it's a problem because I think in that same article he goes on and says, this isn't a problem. And and I can say, really, honestly, a couple of years ago, I would not have thought myself this was a problem. I have never been a victim of it. I have never witnessed it. Um, I had one or two friends make comments about things that, you know, driving while black. And I'm like, you're just silly. And and he is a silly friend, the one that I'm thinking of right now that, that has had problems. Uh, but And it hasn't, wasn't until... I saw the frequency of complaints and the videos. Yeah. Uh, those videos are, are, are undeniable. And so I, I think that the tide has to be turning because I cannot be the only person who had no idea that this was as big of a problem as it was uh, and whose mind is being changed. And even if before I would have said, yes, it's a problem, my urgency, my sense of urgency that something needed to be done would not have been... Uh, so strong mm-hmm. and and now it absolutely is it's, yeah and that's all thanks to majorly technology thank goodness that we have all the technology that we have now or else we'll probably still be oh we don't see the general public wouldn't really think it was such a huge deal still because yeah. they wouldn't really know as much about it yeah so it's um it, thank goodness that now we're we're uh 
we're moving in this direction because yeah, it's absolutely necessary. Uh, I want to see what else has been happening with, with this California, um, that I, I might be missing here. Uh, cause I remember some other officers. Oh yes. This other officer here, I want to talk, talk about this. He said, there is not racial profiling. There just isn't. Um, this Lieutenant Steve James said, there is criminal profiling that exists. I, I, that, that, that just cannot be true. Yeah. We had, you know, BJ came on when the first time he was here, he talked about how growing up in Compton, he was one time riding in a car and they got pulled over. Uh, a, a cop like made a U-turn and pulled yeah. them over. So you're telling me that the officer from the other side of the road looked at them and knew they were criminals? Right. Exactly. Uh, how, how is that possible? So, I the police these comments are undermining my faith in police leadership. Yeah. Um and, and it's sad. Yeah, and I think that good officers should probably be I don't know what they're what is going on behind the scenes to be like knock this off because you're making the rest of us look bad. Yeah. Cuz clearly it's a problem. Like just a few years was it 2 years ago they changed the laws in New York with the stop and frisk policies yes. because of the issues that were going on there and it was a lot of racial profiling going on which is why they changed those policies so to say is racial profiling isn't an issue is kind of like that's what angers the public because clearly this is an issue if you can't address the issue you're never going to fix the problem if you can't if you don't ever see yeah one. absolutely so this law in California doesn't change the way officers do their job at all they just now have to report it and Unfortunately, the law doesn't go into effect for several um, years. Um, some smaller departments will start in, t- no, bigger departments start in 2019 and smaller ones in 2023. So change is slow, but change is coming. I want to hear from you. Do you think New York's on the right track? California's on the right track? Um, they actually consulted each other, I think, in coming up with their mm-hmm. uh, approaches. Um what else? What else do we need to, to to do? Or is this just totally wrong? Is this? I mean, I don't want to call it police bashing. I just don't think it it, it is at all. And I no. I don't even want to invite comments like that that this is police bashing or unsupportive of police uh, at all. And I understand um, trying to think of what a police officer, a good police officer might say like, man, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm just want to be out on the street and interacting with the community. And now I'm just bogged down in more paperwork. And this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't why I became a cop. And I'm sorry, that is, that, that sucks. You know, when the cop signed up for this job, he went through training and he did everything he had to do and and in his mind he envisioned himself out in the community talking to people keeping the streets safe and now he's got paperwork yeah that that is that's a bummer and but sorry it's one extra little form isn't gonna yeah and i can imagine that some officers like yeah you think it's one extra form but i already have so many other things and and i can imagine that police officers are overworked uh yeah sure yeah that uh you know that the that if they are overworked, that the goal should be hiring more police officers, not reducing the kinds of tasks that we ask them to do, yeah. like filling out these reports. And I think the good police officers are aware that they're, all of the police officers aren't good as yeah. well, just like in any other profession, just because you're good at what you do and you're doing the right thing, everyone else around you 
might not be. Yeah, so. and the police co- code of like you you back up your partner, you back up anybody else in law enforcement, keeps them like silent about being able to come out She's to say sad. anything. Yeah. So hopefully this will help overcome that. All right. So moving on to something entirely different. Uh, Paul Walker's daughter, Rain Walker, is suing Porsche, the car maker, not my co-host, for <laughs> the death of her father. This is a wrongful termin- uh, wrongful termination, <laughs> a wrongful death uh, action, a civil claim. What Porsche do you think are her chances of winning this? Oh, from what I remember, when I, she's mostly claiming design defects. Yes, on the from Porsche. So what I remember, at least from law school, is that when you're claiming design defects, you have to, in her case, she's trying to say that certain precautions should have been added to the car. And when you're suggesting that manufacturers should add certain things to cars, you have to show that the cost of that addition would have been so minute that they should have just added it or that it's industry standard that all the cars have these things. But most of the things it seems like that she was saying that these cars should have, most cars don't really have that so I don't I don't really think that the claim would does have much chance of success only because I know those design defect cases can be very tough because it's a high burden to prove very very high yeah it it is Uh, I know it didn't have some um, electrical oh my god stability system that some cars have I'm not sure if all cars uh, have them but yeah you're right I mean there are things that every car maker could do to make yeah. every car safer yeah. we could have thicker doors we could have I don't know magnets and bumpers that can you imagine if we all had like the same charge uh, like a positive charge bumper so that when the bumpers come close together they repel each other apart yeah. I, I don't know if that's even <laughs> mechanically possible but there are all sorts of things that could yeah. make cars yeah. safer but we don't hold car makers no. to that standard that there could have been something more they could have done that's not the standard it's what that they designed uh, is 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 flawed beyond what's acceptable yeah and it it's going to be hard, uh, I think, because it's it's well known that the driver of the car was speeding. Now I've seen varying reports. Some Different like he speeds. was seventy, eighty miles yeah. an hour. Others saying just fifty or sixty. But I believe that both of those are above the speed limit. Um, People are like, well, if it was only a few miles over the speed limit, it, that couldn't have been it. It had to be the car's fault. But the other thing that I not sure about is what if any modifications were made to the car aftermarket that could have changed the stability of the car the safety of it I haven't heard any specific changes were made to this car but that was one of the thoughts that um, that came to mind and you're you're very right that is a very difficult threshold to meet that the design of the car is what what caused his death however this is a PR nightmare yeah. for Porsche. Yeah. And also, um, Rain Walker, Paul Walker's daughter, is represented by Mark Garagos, who many of you know because he's very well-known in the media, does a lot of interviews. And I think in this case, him doing interviews, I think I saw him uh, on CNN do an interview. When he's out there talking about it, can mm-hmm. you imagine what company officials for Porsche are thinking? Like, oh my gosh, somebody shut this man yeah. up. This yeah. is not going well for us. So um, for the the economic loss of just having this that lawsuit out there. Yeah. 
Um, yes, it's going to cost them money to hire attorneys and to mm-hmm. defend themselves and discovery and all these experts. But I think they stand to lose much more money in lost sales yeah. than in this case. And that might be a very motivating factor for them to settle. Yeah, that's so true. Um, because they're left only to blame Paul or blame the other driver Which who's dead. And even, uh, uh, no one wants to go down that road. At no. All. Um they pro- they probably will. I expect that they're going to respond and they're mm-hmm. going to point fingers at other people as they legally need to. But I- I'm sure they like really don't want to. This is not doing well for yeah. for Porsche overall and and especially for that model yeah. of of car. Um, or maybe it'll spark a talk about car safety and maybe it'll spark changes in how our vehicles are made right now and overall the system maybe that's kind of the direction it might lead to because the direct claim would be tough like you said but the negative press might spark a settlement you never know what direction people are i i doubt it would change things on an overall level i mean porsche is a is a car it was designed for speed. speed yeah there are people who love that i really don't quite understand it living in la there's nowhere that you can drive <laughs> zero to 60 in 0.2 seconds. <laughs> so why have the capability of doing that? I understand that some people think it's fun. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of risk yeah. to to having a car that's oriented to speed. And, 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 and maybe people will argue with me, well, those cars are made for performance more so than something safer. Yeah. I I don't know, I'm I not enough know. of a car enthusiast to be able to argue, argue it. Um but I do think that this case is going to settle. Uh we are probably not going to hear about how much yeah. because Porsche will not want that to be out there. Uh I very much doubt it will go to trial. I I would yeah, say it's so sad. 99% was, yeah. chance that no. it is not going to go uh to trial. All right, so now, if you have an outstanding traffic ticket (laughs) in the state of California, you might be in luck. Uh, This uh, amnesty, as they're calling it, for for poor or low-income people uh, is only for uh, people who got tickets that were due before January 1st, 2013. Oh, so if you recently got a ticket, sorry about that. <laughs> Sucks. Uh, but, you know, who knows if this goes well and it can be accounted for in later budgets, it might be expanded. Uh, so as of right now, if you can't pay your traffic fine and your kind of violation qualifies, uh, you might only have to pay 50 to 80 percent mm-hmm. of what you owe, depending on your income. Uh, of course, if it's a DUI or reckless driving, those kinds of infractions do not qualify. Some people can apply for installment payments. Um, and this is because there have been millions and millions of licenses suspended due to people's inability to pay. And uh, what happens is that you get a, a ticket and... Uh, it goes up really fast. You yes. forget to pay it. You don't show up to court. It goes up so high and so fast that people are literally unable to pay it and pay rent at the same time and food or, and the, the basic necessities. And lawmakers were concerned um, that it looks like the state of California is trying to profit off of poor people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so they 
have instituted this amnesty program. It is worked into the budget. So, you know, there's going to be less money coming from these traffic uh, fines. But I think there's about 5 million people almost that since uh, 2006 have had their licenses suspended. And that has a huge consequence for your life if your license is suspended um you get pulled over on your way to work or school on a suspended license and you're in a whole nother host of stuff so it's just a really terrible downward spiral Mm -hmm. that that can break the spirit of people who are trying the best to do what they can um to survive and be a, a contributing member of society um yeah, it's 4.8 million licenses have been suspended That's, since 2006. Wow. And only 83,000 of those have been reinstated. So it looks wow. like out of those, only 83,000 people have been able to pay off their fines. And just to give you an idea of how large these fines are, in case you haven't gotten one recently, it can um, cost, you know, $490 oh for a traffic uh, ticket and then can jump up to like 800 oh if you gosh. fail to pay it. Or you don't show up to court, and now that that that's literally just it, cruel and unusual yeah. punishment. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I I could see that this is you know very necessary, yes. and I can imagine that there are people who are like this isn't fair. If you get a ticket and I get a ticket, we got a ticket for the same offense. Doesn't matter how much money we make, we should have to pay the same fine. If I forget or you forget, the punishment should be same for both of us. What would you say to somebody who thinks that this is totally unfair? Um, I think it's just life is unfair. <laughs> like it's honestly well, life. Well, then they isn't might fair. say, well, we don't life want isn't th- fair. If you're low income and you have this big old fine, that's your problem. Life's not fair. But as a result, we don't want these people. You can afford to pay. We don't want these people not going to work. Because they have these fines and now they can't drive and now they can't get to work. We don't want those. We want to encourage productivity in society. So in doing that, things like this are necessary because we don't want any little thing like traffic tickets and you losing your license to hinder you from going to work or being a productive citizen. So yeah, I think that's just, more the way to think of it. Because it has consequences not just for that person, but for everyone. all of us. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I don't know how, if you don't have a driver's license... Can you be insured? I mean, this is probably something that I should know, but I, uh, but I don't. And so, if you you know lose your license and then not insured, I mean that. I mean, there's just a lot. Of, I'm not sure if that's one of the consequences, but there's just a lot of problems that um, exactly affect other people if you lose your license. Uh, and and I I don't want somebody to go homeless over no you know rolling through a stop sign no. that just doesn't make any sense yeah for uh for us and then you know then we we have more homeless people we don't want to see more homeless no. people uh it, it's just like let's let's do yeah. what's fair I mean these people are not getting away completely with their fines they still have to pay them part of them or pay it in installments. Yeah. And on the other side of this, like, I, I, I think, thought for a long time this is really unfair. Because I remember um, I went to, uh, with a friend, a guy to get his hair cut. And the, there was, a, like, a, this white Lamborghini parked out in front in a red zone. And uh, one of the barbers in there was like, oh, yeah, that guy parks his car there every single weekend and gets a ticket every single weekend. And he just doesn't care. And so 
is that really fair that that guy gets to choose to ignore um, the law and probably it's a red zone for for safety for yeah. you know whatever reason he just gets to choose to ignore it because he can afford to to ignore it that's not really fair either no so um, I, I, th- I think I think this is good so um, if you um, got a ticket before January 1st <laughs> 2013, uh, you should look into this. You have to apply for it. And the this program runs through uh, March 31st, 2017. So you yeah. don't have forever as of now. And please pay attention to the parking signs here. Because, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. When I moved here, oh, my gosh. It's so different from what I'm used to. I have, I had, like, four tickets within, like, my first two weeks here. Oh, my gosh. Four parking terrible. tickets. Because... They have like five different parking signs. Yeah, on they one, cannot make it easy. one street, and I'm just like, you have to read all five of them and make sure nothing applies to what you're doing right now. Yeah, and, and it's funny. I, I've had the same situation too. You know, I'm. This was like not that long ago, so I've been licensed as an attorney for quite a, many years yeah. now, and I remember I took a picture of. A, a huge sign yeah. or a series of signs and sent it to like a group chat of my girlfriends to be like, wait, can I park here? Yeah. Like this, I need right. to consult my tribe right. to know if I can park. Right. And I'm like the arrows. Okay. Is it pointing forward? Is it pointing to the side? Is it pointing here? It's like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. too much. Yeah. Have one sign, put all your information in one sign and just be done with it. People. Right. Good idea. <laughs> I've, I've seen that they're come, try, trying to come out with new designs with, you know, colors and this whole new thing. So we'll definitely tell you about that if we get yeah, new traffic signs. So that'll be exciting. You guys have definitely made a lot of money off of me since I moved here. <laughs> so, yeah, major changes need to, uh, to be made about that because that is not a very welcoming uh, thing to to people who move here. All right. Uh, so now another law that California has passed, and I realize that we're talking a lot about California today, and we talk a lot about California normally, and that isn't just because we live and, and operate out of California, but because what happens in California tends to start trends or provide enough momentum to a trend so true. where it becomes widespread yeah, across the country. That is so true because I remember so many times that's all we would talk about is what's the nice circuit doing? Like what are they doing in California? What are they doing there? That's so true. And so uh, so this uh, same thing goes for um, this Death with Dignity Act that was just signed by uh, our, our governor earlier this week uh, which allows terminally ill people mm. the right to end their life sort of on their terms. Uh, California is the fifth state to have this. Uh, and it, it's obviously very controversial. Yeah. Um, suicide is frowned upon mm-hmm. by um, religions. And I think most people, you know, do not want to encourage other people yeah, to kill themselves. No. Um, there is a lot of concern about how do you make sure that this isn't abused? Yes, that's, yeah. So, Portia, did you see that the safeguards that are built into this law, do yeah. they seem to make sense? Or do you think that 
they should calm the fears of people who are like, what's to keep somebody from using this to to murder somebody? Oh, yeah. Well, some of the um, the safeguards, Chelsea, are the patients must be terminally and mentally sound and they must be capable of administering the medication themselves. So I guess no one is forcing them to take the medication kind of thing. And then two different doctors must approve it. Yeah. Um, and there's witnesses too. There's got there has to be two witnesses that sign off on it. Uh, one that's not a family member. And when Portia says administer the drugs themselves, it it, it refers, I, I believe, explicitly to they have to choose to swallow mm. the pills. Uh, so uh, and and here's the thing is that some doctors don't want to do this. Some hospitals don't want to do this, and they don't have to. That's good. It doesn't uh, require that all. Uh, doctors and hospitals allow this um there can be facilities that decline and that's and that's fine uh some people think that they're fear, afraid that it will um it'll cause more people to choose to end their life yeah. than to keep fighting yeah um because it's expensive and burdensome and i actually think that expensive and burdensome is a good reason to not continue living if you don't want to. So I, I know that for myself, uh, if if I was in this situation uh, and it would be incredibly expensive, burdensome, and chances are I'm not going to come back and live a quality life, let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think that that argument that more people will choose to die than to go through with expensive and burdensome procedures is not actually an argument against it. It's like, well, yeah, no, duh. That's what will will likely happen, and I don't see that there's a problem with that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what? Why, why? Why? I don't know. My mom always tells me if I'm in a coma, you just let me sit there. If it takes, I might wake up. And she's just like, "Do not pull the plug on me." All right. She's like I might wake up after a while. You never know. That's though. true. That is really so true. So it's kind of like I don't know because it I guess a I'm a believer choice. in the hope, and you want to keep the. So I guess it's, it's a personal choice. Yeah. I feel like when it's t- your time is your time. So I personally wouldn't want to in that early kind of thing but yeah well and that's what this came down to when the governor was making his decision about whether to sign this into law he met with doctors religious figures and ultimately he thought to himself you know I don't know what I were doing what I would do if I were dying in prolonged and excruciating pain he said I am certain however that it would be a comfort to be able to consider the options afforded by this bill and I wouldn't deny that right to others Mm -hmm. so the governor wanted this to be a choice for people to Mm -hmm. make about their own lives and I can really understand that because if you're given a diagnosis of a terminal condition Mm -hmm. you feel your whole life is out of control you have no choice or your or very few choices about what the rest of your life is going to look like and if you and a lot of us value a sense of control over mm-hmm. ourselves our bodies our our life we want choices we're all about choices here in America uh so that's that's what this is giving people a choice to exercise some control when they have lost all control mm-hmm. i think so uh i i can definitely respect people who don't want to use this, and I'm not saying that they necessarily should choose to end their lives. Uh, I think it's fair, though, that we allow people the option to do it. Mm-hmm. All right, and 
That is it. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us on Justice is Served. Please let us know your thoughts about any of the topics that we talked about today or any of the stories that you see coming up that you want to talk about uh, at Chelsea Galicia and soon to be at Portia Daniels. (laughs) Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. From producers Maria Menounos, the views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.